Hey everyone, I just wanted to make a little PSA and share with you that the episode you're about to listen to, we recorded before COVID-19 really got underway. And so we don't specifically address what's happening now or how to sort of shift your marketing and sales for what's happening now. But we feel that this was a good episode and it still reflects a lot of the things that we need to be talking about right now. So we hope you all enjoy. This is a part one of a two-part series, but we won't be doing part two until after we kind of move on from some of the craziness. We want to stay as relevant to you as possible from here on out. So thank you. Welcome back to the Women in the Business Arena podcast. Every week we dive into juicy topics for women navigating the business arena, leadership, and their personal self-development. We reframe business and life with a more feminine lens to help women find more fulfillment, freedom, and success. I'm your host, Sonia Statman, and as always, I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Laura Shuk-Guzman. Today we thought we would talk about a topic that is on everyone's mind if they're in business and probably even if they're not in business and that's marketing and sales. We talk a lot about the emotional journey here in this podcast and we talk a lot about the psychology and how we feel and how we need to navigate business. We don't often talk about marketing and sales. So we thought we would actually do a two-part series and really share with you some of our viewpoints on these topics because they are important for business and we want to share with you what we've learned. What do you think, Laura? Yes. Yes. I'm all about it. Um, Because, you know, I actually enjoy the creative aspect of marketing, like creating marketing campaigns and getting clear about my niche market and who I, but then I can also get, I think, easily overwhelmed by it or a little lost, right? Because then I just make the pretty Canva images and I just, and then I'm like, wait, 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 what's the strategy here? And like, how's, how am I even noting if this is working? Yes. And I think that's really such a key point. I think we all get there lost in the creative. I enjoy the creative parts as well. And then sometimes what ends up happening is we get creative but not effective. And that's really, I think, such an important point. But I thought we would start with looking at the difference between marketing and sales. Because I've asked a lot of people over the years, what's the difference? And hardly anyone has a clear understanding of the difference between marketing and sales. Unless they're a marketing person or unless they're a salesperson, which they clearly know they're lanes, then really it's like this jumbled confusion. When does it become sales and when does it become marketing? So I thought we would kind of start with that. Let me ask you, Laura, what do you think is the difference between marketing and sales? Mm, That's a great question. I always lump them together just like (laughs) everyone does, like marketing sales. It's in the same bucket, right? Um, But I really think, yeah, marketing to me is getting the word out and sales is then effective conversion. Like you get the word out, you have that person, they show up at your door. And then how do you actually make that relationship end up in a transaction, a sales transaction? 
Yes, yes, which is very good. Exactly. It's, that's pretty much how I see it. I think that sales is really that conversion and it leads to money, right? It leads to income. And so sales is actually much more important than marketing. And marketing is like awareness. So it might be brand awareness or it might be telling people who you are. It might be getting their interest. Marketing is piquing their interest, but sales is converting them into clients or customers, depending on what you're selling. And so I think that's a really important distinction because depending on which lens you have. So if you're looking at everything through the sales conversion lens, that will create a lot of different perspectives, a lot of different actions than if you're looking through the marketing lens. The majority of businesses that I see in the world, especially small businesses, because they they aren't as savvy as say big agencies or businesses who are spending millions and millions of dollars on marketing, you know, they kind of mostly have the marketing lens. Social media is a marketing lens. You know, most everything that we do is a marketing lens and they're not really looking at their sales conversions. And so they're just kind of hoping that by throwing their stuff out there on social media or wherever they go, that people will eventually buy their products. But it doesn't exactly work that way. And so that's why I think this is such a great conversation because we need to really understand those two lenses and which one we need to put on at what time. Yeah. Yes, I agree. And I think that for self-taught entrepreneurs like myself, you know, I didn't go to business school and I don't have marketing or sales training, right? I come from the nonprofit sector. So that's like, I learned my craft, you know, everything in school was about how to do therapy and how to understand that piece of working with a client. And then all of those other aspects, um, I really had to learn along the way. So I appreciate us kind of taking it back to some foundations, which is what you're so good at, Sonia, is like, because we can just kind of get caught up in, in throwing those words around too. And, you know, everybody is a self- instigated marketer on Instagram or, you know, um, and social media. And so it makes it I guess, more accessible. And it's a good thing that we don't have to spend tons of money with a whole marketing department. But then I myself get kind of lost on what is most effective and, you know, is anything actually leading to sales? And a lot of times my social media feels like it's all brand awareness and my transactional really is like clients that find me word of mouth or search online through like for therapist. And so so Google is my friend. Word of mouth, like that's where they – but then the brand awareness is great for like just getting it out there to the greater world, I guess, what I'm about. Yes. So many great points you just made. I think that so many people are out there doing their craft and they're really good at what they do and they love what they do. And because of that craft, you know, they just haven't learned the business basics. They haven't learned some of the foundational pieces and that's totally okay. It's totally normal. But these are also really important pieces that we have to understand. So I love that you kind of pointed that out because I agree. I think a lot of people, especially in certain industries, wellness industries, they're not inclined necessarily towards business. I mean, if you're in marketing, you have a better sense of marketing. If you were in sales, you have a better sense of sales. But I think, yeah, lots and lots of people out there just are trying to do what they love and they don't really understand the mechanics of business. And so that's what we're kind of talking about. So I think that's a really great and important point. I also think that so many people are doing things and they don't understand the effects, right? So we're putting all this energy out there. You're right. Social media rarely converts to sales. And I really want to highlight that over again. Social media rarely converts 
to sales. Now, I'm not saying it never does. I'm saying it rarely does. Social media is much more about brand awareness. And if you're at the stage where you have a lot of extra time and energy or you're at a stage where you're scaling, then yes, that point of brand awareness can be really important. But if you're still under that ten dollars to $15,000 a month mark, you know, as a service provider, then you do not need to be using social media, at least not in the way that most people are talking about. And I think that's such an important piece to keep talking about because what I see is women are exhausting themselves trying to get all these things that are not converting into sales. And so they're wasting like 80% of their time. Yes, yes. And I think we've talked about this in other episodes. It's a lot. There's so much that you can do so you can get kind of dispersed and overwhelmed through the marketing machine, you know, just all the different places that you can show up to market. And so I think that, I mean, that's an energy time sucker right there is just like, you know, having to be on all the platforms. Like I just don't even enjoy being on my Facebook business page anymore. Like I'm going to hang out on Instagram. I'm going to hang out on Twitter. Like I like Facebook groups, but you know, my Facebook page. Yeah. (laughs) Just like what's going on there. (laughs) And it's pointless because there's like nobody, the algorithm doesn't work for anyone anymore. Like, you know, it's just a lot of stuff that you keep putting out. Yeah. I think that's very typical. And so one of the things I think is really important is let's talk about sort of stages or where we need to fit things in. Because one of the interesting thing is, like you said, there's so many marketing places. There's so many places that we can show our brand awareness. There's so many places that we can put ourselves out there. And yet what we really need to focus on first is our sales channel. Where are we converting sales? Now, if you're a service provider, I would highly recommend, well, let's say, if you're a service provider and you have a service that is over $100, right? So anything over $100, especially if you have services in the thousands, you have have got to be having sales calls. That is your one tool. Your one tool is sales calls. That's the place you convert. That's the place you turn over. That is your sales conversion tools. And what's so interesting is that we can get overwhelmed by the marketing because we've sort of put things out of order. Whereas if we look at the sales process, it's just one thing, right? Most all of us only need one thing. If you have anything over $100, you're not going to convert very well on a sales page, which is what a lot of people think their sales conversion tool is. I'm just going to put up a website and hope that people buy in. That's not the way it works. People really, if they're going to invest a significant amount of money, they need to be talking to someone. They need to go through a sales process. And so that it's just even that is this really interesting perspective because it simplifies in so many ways if you're really focused on that sales conversion tool that's one versus hundreds of options for marketing. Yes, absolutely. And yeah, it just makes me, you know, think that that is true in my case when I'm thinking, you know, my cells are coming from people calling to get a consultation. So that for a therapist, a lot of times, um, that consultation is so important. And most of us do give a 15 minute complimentary. Um, some therapists even give 30, but it's like an opportunity for you to actually talk to your prospective client because everyone, yeah, like you said, we might go to a sales page later because we've already made a connection with that person and just like sign up, but we usually want the relationship. And I even say to my clients, I say, I offer this because I'm not just going to go and sign up with a therapist online. Like, yeah. I want to talk to you. I want to kind of feel your energy. I want to know it, what it's like to be in this relationship, even just to try that out for 15 minutes. And then you have a better sense of like, oh, yeah, I'm liking what this person has to say. I'm feeling it. 
let's proceed. Um, and I don't know why we've gotten away from that personal relationship and why we're, we are depending so much on like internet website sales or some landing page, you know? Yeah. And you know what's also interesting? And tell me what your perspective is, you know, because I teach sales. So for me, you know, I kind of know this. But what's so interesting is that a sales call should never educate. It should never coach. It should never offer advice. And how many people on a sales call offer advice, right? Or try to prove themselves, especially women, right? We try to prove ourselves on the sales call. How great, if they just taste how amazing our coaching is, then they're going to sign up for our services. But that does not convert sales. And so, you know, what's kind of your experience? What have you learned? That's a good question. Um, As a therapist, I think I've got kind of a natural, I, I, I wonder if I would have done it had I not had sort of the natural boundary with therapy is that you're not entering into that therapeutic relationship, you know? So until they sign my paperwork, which actually then gives me the right to say, like, we're entering into this therapeutic relationship, I can't do therapy. So in a way, that's a nice protection. So when I meet with a client, It is a get to know me, like ask me questions about um, my background, why I might be a good fit. And then I kind of get to ask them some questions because I'm also trying to see if they're a good fit, you know, and because if they're not, then I'm going to refer them out. I'll be honest with them and be like, this isn't isn't going to work. But I can I have heard friends say to me, oh, yeah, when you do a consulting, when you do a discovery call, make sure you do throw out like some kind of give them something to walk away from. It's like a tip or something. And so I and I haven't really gone that route as much because it doesn't really happen that way in therapy. But now that you say that, I'm glad that you're telling me because I might have thought that when I'm switching more into if I'm doing consulting or coaching instead of therapy that I need to like give that <laughs> give, give that, that thing. nugget. That's <laughs> that nugget. right. And what's so interesting is that typically in a sales call, the more you give in terms of advice, the less likely you are to create the sale. That makes sense. And so I know it's really interesting, right? And so really the point of the sales call, which I teach my clients this as well, is to help the client, the prospect, come to clarity, right? So it's asking them the right questions in order for them to have the insight about what they need, what they want, whether or not you're a good fit for them, to ask you the right questions as well if they need to, and really to bridge that gap sort of of clarity, right? Because so often people get on the phone and they don't really know actually what they need or what they're looking for. And if we ask the right questions, they have these ahas, they have these insights. And it is also to determine that we're the right fit for them, right? Because so often, you know, we can just take anyone and it won't be a good fit for what we offer. It won't be the best fit for them. And so it is really that gatekeeping point that we want to ensure that I am the absolute best person to help the person I'm talking to and if not yes refer them out suggest they go another place suggest they do another step before they come to you and you really want that best fit but I think it's so interesting because a lot of times people think the sales call is about convincing them to make the sale regardless of who they are regardless of what they want and if you have that lens on that framework of I need to convince them that I'm the best person for this job then oftentimes you miss the really important pieces you overgive advice and and you get to that place where you're not really allowing them the space and the ability to have that insight. Yes, yes. And I can see how, you know, you can get 
kind of over give that, you know, give advice. And then they're thinking, oh, great. Well, that was a good aha. And I got what yeah. I needed. You know? <laughs> it's like, That's right. <laughs> and here's the sad part about that, right? Is because anything we give someone in one call is going to be a small fraction of what they actually need to be able to make the transformation that we know we can make with them, right? And this is that problem idea that we have that we can just give them some advice and then they feel good like they have the advice, implementing that advice, making sure that advice actually is practical for their life. I mean, I could tell someone something on an initial call that I think they should do, but until I like really get into their background and their history and what they want and what they don't want, and I'm working with them for a period of time, I can't really give them the best advice. That's done in a lengthier relationship. And so I think, you know, sometimes we think, oh, we gave, we feel really good about ourselves. Oh, we gave them some great advice. And they feel really good because they've gotten some good advice. But it's really shallow advice. And it's actually more dangerous than it is helpful. And I think that's some of the framework shift that we really have to have around sales. Yes. And I think a lot of people are just intimidated about the sales call, you know. And so then that's when you get kind of insecure and nervous, you start giving away too much. It's like we do that on a first date. Like all of a sudden yeah. you're just like, oh my God, I'm saying all these things. I don't, really, I don't know why I'm telling you about what happened to me in fifth grade. Um, but it's just this, you know, kind of overshare that can happen yes. when we're not feeling confident. So I like that you're going into the sales call specifically because it's really, I think, it's something that people don't maybe get enough support around or think through in a really strategic way. And there's like, oh, I need to make that connection. Yes. And then, yeah, there's so much more. And the thing about it is like it's a it's a practice, right? It's a skill. So like with my clients, I make them practice their sales calls over and over again with each other. I make them go over scripts. I make them practice until it feels comfortable, practice in the mirror, practice with a recorded, you know, whatever feels good so that it feels very authentic to them, genuine to them, to where they've, they've made it their own and they've made it a very comfortable and beautiful process. When you have that practice over and over and over again, you're going to be a lot better at being being able to help that person make a connection because the point of the sales call is not the sale. The point of the sales call is clarity. Clarity for you, clarity for them, and that's really the point of the sales call. And when you switch it like that, when you really have got done the practice around that, you have so much more confidence going into that process. And, you know, the reason why this is so important, and this is, you know, really, I want to just circle back to this idea really quick, is that so often people are focused on marketing, like let's just get more leads in, let's just get more people in, but they really suck at conversion. So, you know, I always sort of use these statistics. Let's say that you need two clients to convert in a month, right? You want two new clients every single month, but you are converting at like 2%. So all the leads you get, 2% might say yes, right? So you need 100 leads to be able to get those two clients. 100 leads, right? Now let's say you convert at 50%, which is not hard if you've practiced and learned sales skills. So let's say you convert at 50%. You need four leads. Now look at the difference between that in terms of your marketing efforts. 100 leads versus four leads, right? You don't even need marketing because you could just go out and walk into your favorite coffee shop and meet four leads, right? For most people, they're around their target market every single day. They just talk to people. Four leads is nothing. But this is the the skewing and the framework that we've lost over the years and being so fixated with marketing. Yeah. And actually, I like that you used the word skew because I was thinking, gosh, this is a very, yeah, interesting perception and it's kind of this psychological illusion and and people when they go big and they throw that net it's like they're trying to throw the net and catch all the fish 
for some reason, psychologically, that feels like a safer bet. You know, people just think it's going to just make more sense and just get a lot of leads and then eventually, surely a few of those. But the energy that you have to disperse to do so much, like throwing your net so far and wide, doesn't really translate back into an effective use of your energy. And like you said, if you were just thinking, yeah, like who are four people? I know for me, sometimes it's like, who have I not talked to in a while that, you know, I used to actually, like a client that I hadn't seen in a long time. I wonder where they are, if they need support. Or I wonder about that person. Gosh, what was her name? I know I have her card somewhere. We had that really great conversation. If you actually start thinking it's not that hard to pull up, those people. And yet I wonder, I'm thinking through it right now psychologically, if there's something a little more scary too about like, oh, I'm going to call that person up and I'm going to ask if they want to have this call or I'm going to have to kind of be vulnerable with one person, right? That's more vulnerable than to just cast the net (laughs) far and wide on like a anonymous social media. I mean, because, you know, you just almost like you just throw something out there into the into the world of social media. And that can feel, I think, safer to some people. Yeah. And so they just keep doing that over and over and over again. And then they're wondering, like, why am I not building some more substantial client, you know, caseload or client list? That's right. And I would encourage you to look at your own habits, right? What are you doing in your business? Is it that you feel vulnerable and you're just more comfortable hiding behind a screen, hoping that people just sign on to your website so that you don't actually have to talk to anyone? You know, is there, are you really uncomfortable with sales? Where is that energy going? But I would also really encourage you to look at your numbers because what I find consistently across the board, in fact, maybe... 0.01% of people coming through my program have ever had good numbers in terms of like conversion. I would really look at how many people am I talking to? Where am I casting my net? What is actually converting? Because when you look at the numbers, when you're like, okay, I put out 20 posts on my social media every week and do any of those people become clients? Now, how many hours do you spend with those 20 posts to put them out, right? How much time do you spend in creating them and coming up with them and writing them and posting them and picture finding, right? That alone. Or if you do a blog, how much time do you spend on your blog each week? How many people do you know? not think, not hope, but do you know came to your blog and decided to become a client from your blog? So these are all places to understand where is it relevant? What is actually working? But you've got to look at the numbers. And that's another thing that's very scary and vulnerable for a lot of women. They don't like metrics. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Let's just not look at that. Let's (laughs) just duck head in sand. Yeah. But okay, so I have a question for you then. How do you, okay, so right now for me, I have, as a therapist, I kind of have this um, reputation brand, like Google likes me, you know, so I'm getting, when people are just going online and searching, um, that's working out for me pretty well. But I'm shifting to also work with a different clientele and work with female founders around like their co-working and taking care of themselves while they're building their co-working spaces and things like that. So they don't necessarily know that I'm the person to reach out. So how do you start reaching out 
with those calls when you don't know whether or not that person really sees you as an asset. They're not like seeking you out, but you've somehow have a connection to them. What's that cold call? What's that sort of, hey, do you want to jump on a a call? Because I have to admit, I'm kind of spoiled in that I don't necessarily have to go looking. I'm just receiving that call that's like, hey, I want to learn more about your therapy. And then we go down that path. And it's, you know, pretty comfortable for me at this point. But now I'm going to have to shift into a little (laughs) bit of like, did you know that I'm actually doing consulting now? It's like, I have to get that word out. And so how would I make those calls? We can workshop me. Oh, this is going to be so good. Okay, so first of all, what's really interesting, and this will be relevant to many people who listen to this podcast, is that you are moving from a therapy, which is very people seeking you out, to a coaching consulting model, which is a super flooded industry. And so, you know, all of that makes it much more challenging to be able to determine how you do your sales and marketing process. And so if you are my client, I'll tell you the process I would take you through, okay? So the first thing we'd have to do is really, really hone your niche, right? Because you, in a flooded industry, you cannot have a broad target market. You can't. You cannot succeed in it. People cannot find you. You do not stand out. Why should I go to this business coach versus this business coach when they all are targeting women, right? Because if you look at it, like that's a good example. Or now the new fad is targeting coaches. So you've got like, you know, business coaches targeting coaches, or you've got like uh, strategic lead management people targeting coaches. And so like, I think every day on my LinkedIn, I get a new, you know, ask to be someone's connection that says, blah, 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 targeting coaches, you know, or blah, 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 working with coaches, right? So that's the new fad. So when you're moving into these flooded marketplace, you can't be broad because there are just too many people doing it. And so you have to be really, really specific at who you serve. And not just in terms of demographics and target market, right? A lot of people come on and they think, oh, I want to work with women who are 35 to 40. You know, they kind of go those old school marketing demographics. That is important, but it's more important to figure out what problem you solve. What stage is that person in? So a lot of times when I'm working with my clients, I might look at, okay, so your target market is on a journey. What part of the journey can you best serve? And when you start looking at it like that, you know, that's really powerful. So let's talk about it, Laura. Like, who's your target market? Yeah. So pretty niche because it is female founders of co-working spaces. So women that are in that industry. So instead of working with um, like just female founders, I want to work with female founders in the co-working industry. Fantastic. Now, what stage of their business can you best work with? Right. So it doesn't mean you can't work with all stages because we can. I can work with many, many things. What stage can you best work with? It's mm, a good question. I feel like I most likely should be or am supporting launch because co working is a new industry. So a lot of the women are in launch phase. So they're in that pre launch to first year, you know, that they're trying to, is this going to work? Am I going to successfully get this off the ground? Yes. Okay, great. So then now you've got the specific stage in which you can help them. So what is the problem that you solve? I know there can be many, but what's really good to look at is 
what pain point or problem they're really sitting in that is so challenging that they're ready to seek help right now. They need help. They desperately need help. And they're at that point where they really need it. What's the problem that you can solve? So it's kind of like as people come to see us, they come in with a specific problem. Now we may work on many, many things, right? People come into my business for specific problems. And of course we work on all kinds of variables, but they come in at very specific specific points. What's the problem that you solve when they come in? I think what's really interesting for me is I'm bringing in psychology and sustainability. So it's about how do you create sustainable practices? How does this co-working space get off the ground, but in a way that you're not burning out? So it's a lot of like, how are we going to set up the structure in a way that isn't just supporting your community, but supports you, the founder? So that can come into structures or it can come into like the culture that they're building and like the self-care practices they have. So it's very like inside out. So I guess I'm very founder focused. How are we going to keep you being successful as you launch and we're building the the business around your needs? Is that too yeah. vague? Mm-hmm. Well, a little bit. And you have to look at as well, are you working on their business structures? Yes. And so are, are the psychology yeah, I'm integrating this. <laughs> is that too much is the question. But I really want to focus more on the psychology because I feel like there's plenty of people who can do business structures and there are a lot of there's a lot of support out there. Um, co-working is still a new business structure. So I have a unique perspective on it and I'm happy to like lend my support there. But I would say I want to stay in my lane around the psychological support, the energy management, like how are you creating a structure? that's going to really work for you long term. And then maybe I pull in other people or refer out to some of those other, you know, structures because I don't really want to get completely down that rabbit hole. Um, although I I have, and this is what I'm sure everyone feels, you have this information. So you're like, but I have all this information, yeah. all this wisdom to share. But yes. um, but really where I'm I'm best um, serving is the mental health, longevity, sustainability energy management. Well, I would focus on that in your language. I would focus on that in the way that you talk to people and the way you frame things, right? So this is such an important aspect, creating these sort of foundational structures, determining how you're going to strategically talk about your business. That's really the first step when you're looking at this kind of thing. And so, you know, really it's about honing that message because to me, you're targeting people who are already either probably approaching burnout are at a stage where they really need it to work, right? That's a very important pain point. Not a lot of times if you target people from that beginning point where they're super excited, they've got lots of energy, it's all fun, they're not going to see it from the point of view that you're talking to them. They're not going to understand. They're not even going to be thinking about burnout. Like, And I see that too. A lot of new businesses that I work with, because I also work with burnout. I work with people who are exhausted. You know, they're tired of running this rat race. A lot of people at the beginning, they're just so excited. They have so much energy and inspiration. They're like, oh, I don't care. I don't care about sustainability. I'll be fine. I'm just so excited. You know, they get into this place where there's not really the wisdom yet of what they're about to go through. 
you need the people who are in the trenches understanding that if they don't get help, they're just going to have to quit. See, I think that's your pivotal pain point. And so, you know, in understanding all of this, it helps you to frame how you work with sales. So for instance, the next step, once we figured out all your foundation, which is what I do with my clients, and we go through that process of the target market and what they're offering, how to package their services, all of that foundational stuff, you would start working with the sales process. Because until you have your sales process nailed, you're not even going to think about marketing because you won't convert the people you do get. You won't convert any of the leads you meet. So you have to get that sales process right. And in that sales process, it also matters. You're going to ask the right questions. But if you don't know what your foundation is, if you don't know how you're targeting them, what you're trying to, the, the pain points you're trying to pull out, their desires at the stage that they should be in, then you're not even going to have the right questions in that sales conversations to ask them. So that's the next step, right? You have to nail the sales process. And once you have all that practice in and you feel really confident, you know you're asking the right questions, then you might move into how do I find the leads, right? But not until you've mastered the sales process are you going to even focus on leads. This is why the whole world has it backwards. And then, you know, you asked earlier originally when we sort of started this little conversation you were talking about how do I find the people right well then you want to be really strategic at this point when you're just starting out you want to be very very strategic you do not want to cast a wide net you don't just want to throw things out there you want to talk to people that you know so you start with all of the connections who already know how awesome you are is there anyone in those connections that are your target market right that's where you'd start you go to co-working conferences you go you do things where you have have a large amount of your target market at those places. That was where you spend your time. Social media is not going to really help you at this point. You don't have enough awareness. It's not going to really convert people necessarily. Like that's sort of a very long-term game. And it does help when you get to a certain stage. But at this point, you would still be looking at who are the people I know? Where can I go speak about co-working, right? Where can I, where are those founders going to be um, coalescing that it's a good place for me to go talk to them? Yes. Oh, this is very helpful. See, and all the listeners, um, I'm in the hot seat, but this could be you. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's right. And yeah. It, I mean, it makes such a huge difference. And yeah. it really changes the way that we look at our business so that's a lot easier. Yes. Yeah. And I hope that I am demonstrating, you know, through this call as people are listening to me that, and this can happen at any time, like I've got a really clear system in this other aspect, but as I'm pivoting, because we all have different, you know, chapters in our careers and you will sometimes come up against like, oh, I have a whole new group of people that I need to figure out. I need to reach out to. I need to think these things through. So I like, and that's one of the things I love about being an entrepreneur is that it's never a dull moment. There's always <laughs> new things that we're creating, new groups of people that we're looking to support. And so I really like, honestly, it feels more energy giving for me to think about, oh, I can start with my inner circle, my small like contacts, you know, who do I already know and not have to spend hundreds of hours, you know, every month on just like social media, just putting all that stuff out, you know, so. That's right. 
That's right. Yeah. All right. This was awesome. So this was part one. And I think this is a really good sort of framework. I think next part in terms of marketing and sales, we can talk a little bit more about at what stage do you instigate certain sales and marketing processes? What does that look like? When do you engage on social media? Um, I think that will be really good to kind of break down and talk about as well. So sounds great. Yay. So thank you all for joining us and we will see you next week. Are you ready to step into your value, power, and voice? Are you interested in having more impact in the world? Are you navigating an environment where you could use more leadership and communication skills? Well, I am launching a leadership program called Women Changing the Arena. I've taken decades of hands-on work with women, plus my lifetime experience of self-development and leadership development to create a program that allows women to truly lead. Whether you are in business, a corporate role, or the political arena, I can help you change the world. Head over to soniastatman.com or find me on any of my socials. Let's connect. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Women in the Business Arena. We'd love to welcome you into our community. Come join the Women in the Business Arena Facebook group. You can find the link in the show notes. And if you want to learn more about me and my work, you can find me at sonyastatman.com. See you next week.